welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today we have Marla and Craig and Dennis and Lou. Good to have everyone. The 79th verse of the Tao Te Ching will be our discussion today. Any any announcements before we begin? Uh, Facebook group, Craig, let's mention that. Yep, Dover, the Dover Facebook page. It's the exact same logo as what's on the podcasts. There's no, there's no tricky questions. Some of the groups we do run, there are tricky questions, but there's none to get into this one. You just hit apply. We have a, tell them about the AA group. We have an AA group oh, in some no. country that that is some kind of a... <laughs> Burma. It's Burma. We keep getting... Um, we're inundated with um, people from the Burma region. And AA is an acronym for the Arakan Army. So we keep getting people applying and they've got, seriously, Marla, there's, there's like pictures of the Burmese flag and that and soldiers walking through this jungle. And it's really bizarre. We must we, we must get about 10 or 12 of these every single week. Yeah. Um, it's really crazy. So we, we put um, we put some questions in, like, do you, one of them was, are you an alcoholic? And um, there was another one. And do you agree to the group members? Uh, do, do you agree to the, the group admin rules and, like the only question that gets answered is, "Are you an alcoholic?" And it's like, "Yes, that's it." And then I always go in and I do I do this with the other groups that I run as well. If, before we let people in, I just have a quick sneak peek at their um at the, the profiles and that, and it's all people in the Burmese area trying to file. So if you're from Burma and you're you're, you're trying to join the Arakan Army Facebook page, which I don't think they've got one, that's not us. They almost had one. <laughs> <laughs> it did for a while because I was I was just letting people in. I thought, oh, he, he looks like an alcoholic, so does he. And then what clicked was is the fact that most of them look about 12, 13 years old. And you're like, hang on a second, there's something wrong here. So we went, to, we, went, we went through about three and a half thousand members in this, in this Facebook page. We're like, no, nah, sorry, you need to. Yeah, <laughs> you need to, right. to uh, that was funny. Thanks, Craig. I'll have some links in the uh, episode notes. Uh, any books that we talk about, you can go to buddyc.org and order those. I've got links at the bottom of the homepage there. We've got a lot of good recovery resources there, too. Um, our meetings that we talk about are listed. There are all kinds of things under the resources. So it, it's a good page that a lot of people use. Get a lot of hits on that page already. Okay, 79th verse. Marla, just pick one out and read it if you want to pick one of them. I can pick out my, my favorite version. Yeah, pick out your favorite version. All right. I, I find this verse to be pretty clear and concise about exactly what it's about. Um, verse 79, Stephen Mitchell. Failure is an opportunity. If you blame someone else, there is no end to the blame. Therefore, the master fulfills her own obligation and corrects her own mistakes. She does what she needs to do and demands nothing of others. Thank you, ma'am. I want to read the Jonathan Starr version. After settling a great dispute, some resentment is sure to remain. Being content with what you have is always best in the end. 
The sage always assumes the debt as if holding the left side of a contract. That's the debtor's side of the contract. He gives and gives and wants nothing in return. One with true virtue always seeks a way to give. One who lacks true virtue always seeks a way to get. To the giver comes the fullness of life. To the taker, just an empty hand. Though the Tao of heaven has no favorites, it always sides with the one who has a pure heart. And I want to read my interpretation of this one. I really like it. Um, My title's Love Forgives. When you reconcile a grudge, some resentment may linger. What can be done? The sage takes on the responsibility of mending. He seeks a way to give, a way to love, asking nothing in return. The one without virtue seeks a way to blame and defect and deflect. The one without virtue seeks a way to blame and deflect. Heaven has no preference, but always sides with the one who forgives. Ninth step. Um, I like that idea that the, the Tao doesn't show favorites, but when you forgive, you're on the side of the Tao. Comments? I thought it was really pretty clear. It's like yeah. it's basically saying clean up your own side of the street, stay on your side of the street. I don't want to uh, listen to your you know, bullshit. And if I do the next right thing, I'll be just fine. It's very, it's like step four, step five, all, all the above. <laughs> so seven, four, I haven't done them in so long. Four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. All of them put together. <laughs> wow. How about uh, Stephen Mitchell's first line, failure is an opportunity. Craig? Yeah, there's always opportunities. Because he's a failure. No, it's because I'm a failure. He has plenty of opportunities, Marlo. That's why I knew you would have something to say. You know, (laughs) he fails all the time. But I I see the I see the opportunities in it. I I see it's the same. It's the same with arguing with people or, or any interaction I have with anybody. There's always an opportunity there. If I have if I have an interaction with somebody that I don't like, the opportunity there is that it shows me the type of person I don't want to be. And it's the same when we when we get into the drinking phase. This time of year is incredibly difficult for a lot of people in drinking. Um, and we see it a lot of time coming into the Facebook pages, and it's it's like, um, I'm a failure. I've failed at this, I've failed at that. And we kind of think to ourselves, well, you know, we don't fail. We either lose, we either we either um we either win or we learn. So what's the opportunities from the challenges that we've came up against? Mm-hmm. If somebody gets a certain period and like, oh, I've thrown all that sobriety time away. Well, hang on a second, I don't think you have. What, what have you learned in that period? What, what, have you, what tools have you gained that you can learn from the next time you come up against the same adversity you had? So there's always opportunities. It's, it's really a mindset thing. It's never a failure. What are the opportunities? Um, I was reading the, the, the Ron Hogan uh, translation um, and he's talking about when an argument is settled feelings of resentment still res- remain on either side what's the point of carrying a grudge and I thought about the fourth step 
when we get to the defective characters, one of the columns that, that we put into it when, when we're doing our fourth step is what's the payoff for holding this, this resentment or this, this defective character? What's the payoff for having this in your life? Um, and sometimes we can look at the fear side of, of the payoff, which is I get to talk bad about somebody or I get to cast dirt against somebody. Um, nine times out of ten, there is no payoff for holding these these grudges or resentments. The only person that's, that's suffering is myself. So the opportunity here is I can learn that the only person that's, that's, that's struggling and suffering is myself. So the opportunity is let's let it go. Someone must risk uh, injury for kindness is a phrase that's used in several of these translations. And I, and I think that, I'm is sorry, that, Mom? Is that along the lines of, like, the, the meek shall inherit the earth? Is that kind of along? No, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Well, but what it is, though, is that there is a vulnerability, though, that we have to have if we're going to mend a relationship. Let's say we're talking about the ninth step. And we're going to someone that we, you know, that there's some kind of disagreement with some, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta, you want to mend the relationship. It takes, it's a, it's a very vulnerable position to take to go to that person and, and try to do that and, and come with a loving heart to, uh, to offer forgiveness in whatever way, because most situations, even if I've been harmed, I have to, I have a part in it. You know, I have something to do to, you know, even if it's nothing more than me holding this grudge all of this time that I've done, if it's something from the past, you know, even if it's nothing more than that, maybe they were wrong to begin with, but I've held this against them all this time. Um, if I go and ask, what can we do to make this right? That's vulnerability on my part. And that's difficult. Yeah, it is. Especially for dudes. Actually, <laughs> Um, I was just thinking that the opportunity gives me an opportunity to uh, to evolve, or or the opportunity to um, to just repeat. That means if I'm blaming somebody else, I'm just repeating the circle, and I'm not learning something. I'm just blaming somebody else, so I don't have to to learn from that experience. So, but the opportunity is really, I think Greg was touching on it is is to learn and then move on. And that is an opportunity for me to evolve as a human being out of my mistakes. I actually seem to learn more from my mistakes than I does from the success. Success is just, it, it's, okay, this worked out. I'm just moving, I'm just moving forward. But on a failure, you have to stop and lick your wounds, right? Today, well, what happened here? What did I do wrong? So what, did Jim, what did Jim uh, W. used to say about that? Uh, there's, there's one line he always. Oh, yes. He used to say, when when life goes good, we're grateful, and when life is tough, we we learn. Okay. No, that was not it. Oh, that's it. That's it. Was that it? We're yeah, learning something like that. Life yeah. When life is tough, we're learning. Yes. We're growing or learning. We're growing. That's it. We're growing, not learning. Yes. Yeah, that I was it. I had a boss that used to give out an annual award for the noble, the noble failure, somebody that had tried something and fell flat on their face doing it. Um, but the noble failure was something that um, you learn, you learned from. We had lots of 
have lots of failures, but if we don't learn from them, they're not necessarily a noble failure. And uh, I've had a few of those ignoble failures in my life. It took me a while to figure out my contribution to it, my my uh, not learning from them until I finally did. And the main one that springs to mind was Thomas Edison. He found, he found 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. 10,000 ways that he failed before he succeeded. What Dennis was talking about, about the, the opportunity to grow as well, is am I rigid in my mindset that I'm right? Or am I willing to accept the fact that I might be wrong in something? And it wasn't until I got into a program that I started to realize that uh, I wasn't learning, that I was doing some of the old stuff over and over again. Um, and one of my favorite things was to hold resentments because um, it gave me a, a sense of righteous indignation. If I resented what somebody had done to me or I, I resented this. I remember one time I had the realization that I, re, I, I was really upset about something going on and Africa, some genocide in Sudan or someplace like that. And I was really upset with the politicians um, for for that, um, for the president and with others that they weren't taking care of that. And one day it occurred to me that I, I was feeling good about feeling bad that nobody was doing anything. And I asked myself, well, what are you doing? Are you, are you sending money over there? Are you going over there? Are you doing anything at all to help the situation? And the answer was no. I'm just feeling resentful so I can soak in my own righteous self-righteousness. And that, that was a pivotal learning for me um, that helped break one of, one of the many cycles that I get stuck in. It's funny you should say that because I, I, I had issues at work and I was talking to somebody not that far away from me and he was saying, like, so, right, so every, every week you come here and complain about the same thing. So what are you going to do about it? There's, there's two types of pure, there's two types of person you can be. You can be the, the type of person that's going to sit and complain about something and not do anything about it. Or you can be the type of person that's going to come and complain and then go and actually do something about it. Yeah, something about courage of change and serenity to accept the things you cannot change. I think you mentioned that a couple of times as well. There's so much fear behind it also, right? It's easier to look at somebody else so I don't have to look at myself. That's the first fear. And like it, there's a fear of also evolving that I have to do something different for me to evolve. And that is look at myself and have and, and learn from that opportunity. There is that is that is there's more hard work and just the easy way out of just saying, oh, you did this and this wrong. I might be right on some points and then just go into my shelf and I and not do anything about it. Does anybody else have a fear of not having anything to complain about? Mm-hmm. We've, we've got massive changes happening at work. And a lot of the changes are based on the feedback that we've given the business. Because like, oh, you know, we can't do this. You don't provide this. You don't do that. So the business now came out and says, right, we've got to start providing this. We're going to start doing this. We're going to enable you to do that as well. I'm sitting there thinking, sure, what are we going to complain about now? You have sponsees, Greg. You have plenty to, compl- to find to complain. <laughs> How about this line? One with true virtue always seeks a way to give. One who lacks true virtue always seeks a way to get. To the giver comes the fullness of life. To the taker, just an empty hand. And that is so powerful. So powerful. And that true virtue is the day of Tao Te Ching, that's the virtue, that's the love, that's the kindness, that's the compassion. So the one with 
with love, with compassion, is always looking for a way to give. And the one without is always looking for a way to get. The result is the one who gives has the fullness of life. And the one that's always looking for a way to get, it's just an empty hand. They have nothing. That's good. How about, I've got a note from when we've talked about this before, about emotional debt. You know, they, they talk about it in a, in debt, as in the uh, the sage always assumes the uh, the liability side of the contract. But what about how we hold emotional debt against people? That's part of what we're talking about with mending relationships. But uh, if I'm not careful, um, I will hold little things instead of letting those things go. Um, that's another level of vulnerability, you know? I think as well as that's complete surrender as well. I think we still like to have just that little thing over somebody, that little bit of emotional leverage that we can use. If it's nothing more than feeling we're better than someone, you know? That's exactly what it is, yeah. There's, there's, nothing, worse than, there's nothing worse than not having something over somebody. Yeah. Can you... Can you kind of repeat that again, buddy? I don't think I got that at all. Uh, if you're holding emotional, what then? What was it? If you hold something emotional against somebody, it's, a, it's emotional debt. If we're mm-hmm. holding emotional debt against someone, like uh, if if we're, let's say that, I uh, say we have a relationship with someone who. It's a little, not really one-sided, but you feel you put a lot more into the relationship than they do. Uh, hmm. It's easy to think that they owe you in some Hmm. way. That kind of way. Oh, yeah. I've been through that. <laughs> I've, I've, I've had my score list up. <laughs> yes. And, and, I, and I fall short all the time. I don't get it. <laughs> right? So, so actually, you're right. I don't, wow, there's been some growth. I don't do that anymore. No, I really don't. Wow, that's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, and the one without virtue, another translation, another interpretation says, seeks a way to blame and deflect. Yes, I have a daughter like that who's um, holding me emotionally hostage or emotional debt, if you want to call it. She's uh, not speaking to me for some unimagined reason that, you know, she thinks I wronged her. You know, I'm just not the mom she thinks I'm supposed to be or whatever. So she just stops speaking to me, Hmm. which is not cool <laughs> it's just not cool i and that is not the way i've ever treated my family members i've never gotten that upset with my family members where i would not want to speak to them but this is you know something that she's doing and has done before and it's she, it's like holding me emotionally hostage so i have to try and really not be held hostage by it and not be bothered by it. But it's very difficult. And not, and you you have to actually you have to do what we're talking about today. Yeah. You have to risk injury for kindness. You have to risk it, you know, and, and not return the same 
behavior. And it would be it'd be easy to try to well, I'll teach her a lesson, you know. By God, you know, we'll just see how long we can take this, you know. <laughs> you know, no, that no. kind of a thing, you know, and, and it just doesn't work. To lead by example, you know, to even though she lives halfway around the world for me, to lead by example by not by letting her know this is that I'm fine. I'm not gonna be held, you know, by her imagined uh whatever she thinks I did to her. I'm not going to be held to it. And I don't feel guilty about anything or, you know, mm. but yes, I just, I have to treat her with loving kindness. I just don't like her behavior. I love her dearly. I just don't like her behavior. Yeah. Uh-huh. And she's got to figure that out, Marla. You know, she's got to figure out, she's got to see that. And the only way she'll see that is not by being taught a lesson, but by you loving her. Mm. You know? yeah. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. So does that mean, buddy, that in in, in Mala's situation, you would you would do a, okay, something went wrong here. Is there something I can do about it? That's you showing vulnerability, and then you can just leave it at that. You can still try to reach out, and then that's kind of it. First thing I would do is sit with it and just remind myself I'm powerless over the relationship, and mm-hmm. and just ask my higher power, surrender to it, and just ask how that you want to see clearly how what you can do, how you can mend it, you know, and how can I get love into this relationship and and just sit with it until you see what action to take. Mm. That's the awareness, in my opinion. Like we were talking about the 11th step the other day. That's mm-hmm. the awareness is, okay, how is the universe moving in regards to her? And until I saw it, I would just have an open heart and just, do what I knew to do, but if I didn't know what to do, I would just sit with it until I did. Yeah. I I mean, I knew the better not to talk to her immediately after the incident. I, I just waited. Mm-hmm. I would have been re- a reactionary, but she's not speaking to me anyway. So there's been a long time and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, I'm just letting her do what she needs to do. And when she's ready to talk, I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what, what, what would be difficult is not for you to start harboring resentment because of her behavior, you know, and seesaws, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, I don't play that game. I don't know why she does. <laughs> but well, I don't want to. She's got some growing up to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, just, I just wouldn't that's, react to that. Because yeah. sometimes oh, that's what. Quit, Craig, come on. Quit. Oops. You know, Sorry, I'm so hang on a second. Now, you know, just <laughs> it's, it's, up, son, yeah. it's easier for me to give people advice and it's actually do what I see. So, just give me a second. Give me a second. I wouldn't react to it. I like because sometimes that's what, that's what people are looking for. People are looking for that reaction. People are looking for us to go run into them, and that gives them that leverage over us. That's what she's mad about. Is I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't react with her the way she wanted me to. You know, but you know, what she felt somebody wronged her. Yeah, I think the opposite. The opposite of reacting to somebody is definitely responding. And I think it's personally, I would just, just like, I'm here. And when they do come back to us, we don't hold it against them. It's hard to do, Craig. It's hard to do. And it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult. I've, I've had it in mo, and the reason I can see that is because I've, I've been through it. It's, it's have that grudge against somebody for things that they've done, you know. 
my daughter never talks my daughter my daughter never spoke to me for two years. And it was difficult trying to just forget about everything that went on. And the relationship we have now is absolutely fantastic. It's it's a work in progress every single day. But you know what? It's, life's too short when you've got a twenty three year old that's just trying to find her own way in the world. You just have to love them. And it is, it is difficult to do because there's always something that comes along. I've got a similar situation with a stepson that um, doesn't doesn't connect up when I reach out to him, and make an invitation or or reach out and get no response. Um, I just keep reaching out. That's a, my my part of the communication is to um, communicate to him. He can and I want to. I don't expect any response. I don't get any response. But um, if I want to have something, if I have something to say to him, I say it. And I do it, try to do it in the care. You know, it's usually it's not anything that's emotionally laden or anything. I just let him know, well, we're getting together at the house. If you want to come over there, other other kids are coming or something like that. Never shows up. But um, I feel like, well, I reached out and that's that's on me and his response is on him. And it's all good. You know, my when my son was. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, um, when he was out running and gunning, um, I would text him, um, like if there was something that uh, I could compliment him or some some way that it, something I was grateful for with him, um, I would text him and thank him, even though most things I was very unhappy with him about. I didn't touch those things. I just touched what I could find gratitude in instead. And that worked. And when he passed, we had a good relationship. Uh, I was seeing him on a regular basis, more so because of the grandson, but he was there. I went over for dinner a couple of weeks before he passed or before he got sick. Uh, He invited me over for dinner one night, you know, and that kind of a thing. So, you know, we had a good relationship at the end of that who knew it was going to be the end, you know, I had no idea 25 years old, you know, uh, but, uh, but that started with me and he always tell, told me he loved me, which, you know, I'd never have done that with, I've done that with my daughter, but not with my parents or we're not a, you know, I'm not one of those people to use that word, you know, uh, much. So uh, we, we had that kind of relationship. And I think the reason we had it was because, when he would slight me, you know, not call me on my birthday or not, you know, come for Christmas or any of those things, I just ignored it. I didn't say anything about it. So text me, piece of shit. Why didn't? Why aren't you here? You know, blah blah. You know, like I want to do. You know, and I said, whoa, buddy, you can't do that. You know, uh, so I would do the opposite. I would. I found something I could be grateful for in him. I would let him know, you know, I'd wish him a happy birthday, no matter whether he wished me one or not, you know, that kind of a thing. You know, I didn't tip for Tad at all. Well, also we're the parent, you know, and we shouldn't, they're not our friends. And our kids should not have the right to judge us and speak to us. But they do. They do, but it's, I, I really have to put a stop to that. I really have to put a, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no. I have to stop the conversation when she gets to all of my faults, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I wouldn't listen to that either. Yeah. It's just, we've, we're done with the conversation. We had a group member that dealt with that. And when, it, and his children would raise those kinds of things with him. And he said, did I do that today? Well, no, this was back in, you know, when, when I was six, you did that. Well, I can't control what I can't control who I was or what I did when I, when you were six, I can control what I do today. And so that was the kind of response that he had with it. It's, you know, what are we, what can we can, what can I control today? What can I control now? Um, and if it's part of making amends, by, you know, there's some things that I would have done differently. And I've told, I've told the kids that, um, you know, making my amends, but I can't go back and undo it. No, I can only do what I can do today. We're not, we're not perfect beings either. You know, you know, I remember looking up to my parents, like they're perfect. They're gods. So yeah, our kids look up to us like that until they get to a certain point where they see we're, we're like just people with faults, you know, but you have to be, I think you have to be an adult to see yourself, to see your parents like that. Like they're actually mm. real people and hope for the best for your own kids to see you as somebody who's a real human being. Nothing more than that. Yeah. I don't even count on anything between 14 and 24. Just don't even don't have any expectations. My, my daughter came back at uh, 19. So she came back early. She, she was a smart one. Hmm. So, I, yeah. I kind of see a, see a pattern in, in, in my behaviors with my parents and then I got to that age where I like, man, they're just human beings. Because it's funny when you're a kid, you don't only see yourself grow up. You actually, without knowing it, you also see your parents grow up at the same time. Right. You don't think about that. Mm-hmm. So so I think some of those things that I was, was mad about with my parents after I found, my man, they make mistakes too. That's that growing phase. That didn't happen to me. Well, late because I was an alcoholic, I guess was into my 30s that I was totally okay with what my parents have done and and I loved them more than I ever have before. Now, I think that might also happen with my kids and especially for me, I left them. I, I, I freaking left the continent. I go, I can't deal with this. Mm-hmm. And um, so so there is is some some damage to be done there. My, my daughter, I always had an easy relationship with and every time we see her, we can just catch up. But my son, it's a little bit different. He don't want to talk to me that much. But I totally accept it, and I'm okay with him judging me. I can't do anything about it. But I, my 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 house will always be open for him, for him when when he comes and wants. So that's how I look at it now. I don't know if that changed, but it's not. I I don't need. I don't I don't even think I deserve. I don't know if deserving is the right word, but uh, but if they choose not to want to have a relationship with me, I understand it because I made that hard jo- choice when my son was four and my daughter was seven at that time when I moved to the United States. So so it's a little bit different, uh, but but thank you for bringing that up, Marla. That is that 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 is very hard when we talk about failures and success with our family. I think and it's no, always the ones that's closest to us that hurt us the most, right? <laughs> Sure, well, they have that power. Mm-hmm. You have to take the power away. <laughs> yeah. When my kids were little, I thought everything needed to be a lesson. You know, I was teaching them lessons for life. But as they got to be adults, I realized I could not teach lessons anymore. I had to learn to love them regardless of what lessons they were trying to teach me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think you know, <laughs> I used to have a sponsor like that, buddy. I know. I used to have a sponsor like that that, that did the same thing. I said, hey, I, I, I'm an adult. I don't need a father anymore. And it was just exactly like that shirt that Greg is wearing from Star Wars. Denise, I am your father. I was like, holy <laughs> crap. That's not what I need anymore. But yeah. <laughs> Myself, it's important to remember that I've never done this before. Right. I, I don't, I, you know, contrary to what everybody thinks, I do not have all the answers. If Callum comes up against a challenge, We'll try and work things. We'll try and work out together. And sometimes he says, "I, I thought you'd be able to do this, Dad." I was like, "Well, you know, I've, I've never had an eleven-year-old boy before. You know, I've never been forty-three before, and I'm, there's still things in life that I'm figuring out. So we can kind of make it easier by trying to figure it out together and trying to reach a, a resolution that that suits everybody." Greg, I was eighteen years old before I heard my father say, "I don't know." You were never 18 years old. I think you were born the age you are. He uh, he always had an answer for everything. I was like, what? What? what is, you don't know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Were you disappointed back then? Why can't you just tell me? You used to know everything. Just make something up, you know. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> well, doesn't that go back to that virtue part that we were talking about? Now he makes things up that don't make sense. So anyway, that's another story. Wait till they get older and you start. My dad does I think it's just an age <laughs> thing in my dad. Let's see if there's anything else we text-wise. I have one thing. There's a commentary on verse 79 in Jonathan Starr's translation that's really good. He says, uh, the metaphor, which is often interpreted as if the sage is owed, but does not demand from others. When a debtor returns the money, he gives what does not, he gives, but does not expect anything in return. So the sage gives as if paying off a debt without any expectation of a return. However, the sage gives out of love and not out of obligation. Mm. So the analogy does not hold in this respect. This could also be interpreted as the sage attending to his duties or performing his part. And then uh, he talks about a particular character there that's talking about about virtue. And it says that the meaning is the same as dharma. So that uh, the one with with, uh, virtue there is the one with dharma. Uh, uh, and Dharma's righteousness is the natural law of the universe. Its natural law arises out of goodness, virtue, compassion, love, kindness. All the virtues of heaven are embodied in the Dharma. Anyone who follows Dharma um, is uh, simpatico with heaven and therefore draws heaven's power. The favor of heaven's impartial. And like the rays of the sun, it shines on everyone, yet only falls on those are open to receiving it those who have aligned themselves with heaven's law those who follow dharma Hmm. uh, it always reveals itself in exact proportion to the openness of the one receiving it in this way it is always with those who are good those who are open those who follow the laws of nature forrest gump Forrest yeah. Gump is a good example. He, he's just below below ego, right? And you just see he's just doing the next thing that's right. He don't know. He's just, this is just it. I'm just going with the flow. And he ends up being a millionaire. 
We really need to do that one day. The the Dow and uh, Forrest Gump and the Dow would be a good. Yeah. Uh, he had a lot of of uh, uh, analogies and a lot of similarities, a lot of principles of the Dow that were in that movie. Yes, yes, very much so. That's true. There's a second um, book, um, Bubba Gump Shrimp company i think it's called and it's kind of like the opposite of the first everything goes bad absolutely everything that he touches just goes bad but if i recall forrest doesn't change a bit <laughs> he just goes along hmm. it's interesting it's also so interesting how it came about i think when i when i saw a documentary on it it, it was more than a decade in the making before they even start shooting the movie for the script, for it to be passed and all that. It was interesting. Very. Oh, Amy texted me. She uh, She's in New York this week working. She wished she was here. She said she's here in spirit. So mm-hmm. she's missing us today. She'll be back next week. Any other comments, guys? This has been a good conversation. Thank you. I'm sure Amy would have quoted page 552 saying if there's somebody that you have got resentment against then pray for them tell them you know pray that they have health wealth prosperity everything that you want for yourself pray for them even if you don't mean it in simply words you know this is actually the resentment verse out of the Tao Te Ching in my opinion this is this is the 552 of the Tao Te Ching verse 479 Good guys, anything anything else before we close? Resentment used to be my superpower. Now I don't have any, I guess. Well, you know, it's one of the few tools that fear really has, Luke. Because before all we had was the tools of fear. That's all we had, which are selfishness, dishonesty, and resentment. That's it. That's all fear has. Uh, just like we we see in on verse uh, you know page eighty four in the big book talking about uh, step ten when you know when we see dishonesty, uh, selfishness, dishonesty, and resentment and fear crop up, you know that that they talk about what to do with that. And I realized when I said, you know, that's the only tools I had before recovery. And my big one, like you said, my big one was resentment. Yeah, I could just steam over things that happened years and years. I'd make notes about things so I wouldn't forget it, you know. <laughs> How free do you feel not holding on to that shit? Ah, freedom. I was thinking the other day, Marla, I have no that I know of, none that I'm none, I have no resentments that I'm intentionally holding on to at all. None. Uh, anything I have are things that I'm working on and I have very little percentage of what I used to have is almost nothing in comparison. You know, and there's a lot of freedom in that. Oh, it's so much freedom. So much freedom. In our Alan on home group, we say that expectation is premeditated resentment. Yeah. If you're expecting somebody to do something, you you have an expectation of someone or something, then it's just premeditated resentment. They may do it if they don't do it, if they don't do it the right way, or they don't do it, don't do it your way, then you can be resentful about it. 
Yeah. Some some wise man once says, when you keep blaming everybody and you can't understand why is everybody wrong all the time? I just, I just don't understand why everybody is wrong. It's just there's only two. There's only two things that can be there if 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 you think everybody's wrong and you're right all the time. Even A, you're your superhero, or, or B, you're wrong. And since superheroes don't exist, it might be B. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Guys, y'all y'all all brought some good today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff, guys. Thank you, Will. If I don't talk to you, y'all have a great week and we'll see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.